For those that have been around for a little bit, uh, you may have an idea of what we're doing. For those who are newer, uh, you may be thinking, what, are, what, you know, what, what, is, what is this church all about? What has God called us to be? What has God called us to do? One of the things that I love about uh, what Jesus calls us to do is uh, it's about being a part of something that's much bigger than any one of us, much bigger than this church, much bigger than any singular church. Jesus is really calling us to be a part of a movement, something that he is doing in the world, and he's inviting us to be a part of that. He's inviting you to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, a purpose that's greater than uh, you could ever establish for yourself. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a deeply held belief um, in, in this church. This is one of the things that deep down, if you pull back the layers, this is something that deep down that we believe that every single one of you who knows Jesus can make disciples. Like, if I, if I could just sum up the vision and if I could say, hey, this is what we long to see, this is what we feel like God is leading us to long to see is that every Christian that's a part of this church and every person that God brings to know him through us would self-identify as a disciple maker. Because I think so often, I mean, it, half the time it's like you think about, I show up to church on a Sunday and uh, I go home and it's kind of, if we're honest, a little anticlimactic. Right? Even if you have a great uh, encounter with God where he speaks to you powerfully, you think, is this, I mean, is this it? You know, you just kind of show up, watch a couple people do stuff, say some things. You sit there nicely, take notes, nod along, and then go home. There is so much, so much more that God has called us to be a part of. Gathering on Sundays is a huge part of that, right, where God, where we meet with him, where he speaks to us. But there's, I mean, there is a risky adventure on the frontiers of this city, on the frontiers of your life, on the frontiers of this world that God is calling each of you to be a part of. So that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, today, as we start off this, uh, this vision series, we are, we're just setting the tone, and then we're going to spend uh, the next six weeks after this uh, looking at more specifically what's, what does this mean. So we're just kind of getting introduced to the idea this morning. So I don't, uh, I don't normally do this, but I want to do the turn to your neighbor and say thing, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, you can make disciples. Okay? Let's do it again. I don't know if everybody did. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can make disciples. All right? Now turn to your neighbor and say, I can make disciples. Okay? All right. Got a little positive affirmation going. All right, let's, let's, let's go. So we're in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And uh, we're looking at this in three sections, okay? First, what Jesus has called us to. Second, why we don't do it. And third, how he empowers us to do it. So what Jesus has called us to do, why we don't do it, and how he empowers us to do it. All right? So first, what Jesus has called us to do. There's many things, right? Many things that he's called us to do. Um, but I'm focusing our attention here at the end of Matthew 28 because these are, these are some of the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. And I've heard it said that last words are lasting words. This is what Jesus really wants to get across to you. 
He's saying the buildup of all that he came to do, it's coming to a head, and this is what, what it's about. So what does he say? I want to first focus on uh, verses 18 through 20, as we, we heard read. 18, 18 through 20 says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all right, so this is just a little bit of setting here. Jesus has just been executed. His disciples think this whole thing's over. And then Mary Magdalene and Mary see Jesus resurrected. He's resurrected. And he says, hey, go tell my, he calls his brothers, his, his disciples, his brothers, go find my brothers and tell them to meet me on this mountain. And so he said, okay, so they go find him, find the disciples, say, hey, Jesus is alive. I don't know what's going on, but he's alive. He wants to go meet you on this mountain. So they go and they meet him and says, Jesus came and said to them. So this is, this is the first time they've seen him since he's resurrected. They don't even know he's alive. They see him and this is what happens. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So let's break this down, okay? We're going to look at this uh, simple, yet not easy. This is simple. What Jesus is saying is pretty comprehensible, but it's, it is difficult to, uh, to live up. We're just going to briefly look at this, and then, like I said, we're going to spend the next few weeks going more in depth into, into what, this, what this looks like uh, in your everyday life, what this can look like. So in the original language, I think it's important to note the main command that Jesus is giving here is in verse 18 when he says, or verse 19, sorry, make disciples of all nations. So he gives that command and he says, and here's the three ways that you're, you do it. By going, by baptizing, and by teaching. That's how you do it. Okay? Now, like I said, that's simple, but not easy. So let's just look at each of those very briefly. All right? Make disciples of all nations. Now, if you've been around Christianity for any time, disciple is along with that long list of words that just get like tossed around that Christianese, but like what, it, what does it actually mean? What, it, what do we mean by that? It, disciple is a really simple word that it means learner. It means learner. It means somebody who it's almost like, think of it like a clinical or rotation, where, you know, you've got the classroom stuff that you're doing, the, the tests, the reading the books, writing stuff down, listening, and you're learning, kind of, but then when you get in the field, and you're told, hey, you have to now stick somebody with this needle, now you're really learning, because you're, it's on the job learning. That's what this is talking about. This is, and this was a pretty common thing back in this time, where, I mean, there wasn't, you know, <laughs> a lot of formal education, a lot of trades that people were doing. So people would link up with people and say, hey, I want to do what you do. Teach me how to do it. And so they would follow them around and they would say, hey, this is how you do what I do. You learn how to do these things. So to build out that, that idea of a, of a disciple, just a little bit more, right? It's a learner. But what are, what are, what are, what's a disciple learning? In this context with Jesus, 
A disciple is someone who spends their life learning what it means to be with Jesus, like Jesus, and help others do the same. It means reorganizing your life around the person of Jesus. It means admitting that in my heart and in your heart and in your life, there are things that are not in alignment with the person and the way of Jesus. Because right? early on, they were not called Christians. They were just called followers of the way. Later on, they got nicknames, almost in a derogatory term, Christians. They did what Jesus did. People noticed, they, they would say, this person has been with Jesus. Says that a number of times in Acts. So it is linking up your life to Jesus, saying, I am going to admit, I don't know everything about you. I don't know everything about what it looks like to follow you, but I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to grow in this. So we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at that, but I want to keep moving through this. So that, that's make disciples, make people that learn what it means to be with me, like me, and help others do the same of all nations. You do this by going. All right. One thing I want to say with this, half of the battle in the Great Commission, that's what this is, Jesus' great thing that he's sending us off to do, half the battle is showing up. Half the battle is showing up with anything. The hardest part to do when you've got a tough day ahead of you is to just get out of the car. You just want to sit down, like, ah, oh, I just want to sit here, and I'm parked, and I just don't want to, just want to act like I don't have to have this conversation, or do this task, or finish this class, or what happens when you get out of the car? Rarely do you get back in the car, right? You're, now you're moving. And that's so often true with what Jesus calls us to do. It's just showing up. And then he's the one who works and moves. Just showing up. So go, okay? Baptize. All right, so as, when you go, there's two parts of what, what you're doing. There's baptism, and then there's teaching to observe all that I've commanded. So the baptism side of this, this isn't just saying like, all right, so you're going to like grab somebody, just find someone and just dunk them, get them underwater. What is this talking about? This thing, help people come to know Jesus. Help people come to know the goodness and the grace that you have experienced in your life through the finished work of Christ. There's nobody better than Jesus. And so we want people to know him. And so this is about helping people break through the, their intellectual barriers, the questions that they have, helping them break through their emotional barriers of how they've been maybe hurt by the church or other Christians. And saying, we believe that Jesus is worth the risk of me losing some social status. And, uh, and baptism, as we know throughout the New Testament, is it's an outward expression to others that I have died with Christ and my life is now hidden in him. God doesn't just look at me. He looks at me in Christ, his own son. And now I have the very identity of a beloved son or daughter and the father. But it's also a outward expression, confirmation to yourself. As you go into the water, what happens? You feel the water on you. You feel the immersion into Christ. And as you raise up, you feel the, the resurrection 
that God has given you new life, power over sin. So this is talking about, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the E word, evangelism. That scary word, evangelism. That's what this is talking about. And I'll say one thing with this. It's the Holy Spirit who opened your hearts and minds to trust in Jesus. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can open up anybody's heart and mind to see Jesus as he is, to trust in him. So the pressure is not on you. Half the battle is just showing up. Just showing up. Then the next thing, teach. Once people know Jesus, right, it's time for class, time for lecture. No, Jesus says teach them to observe, teach them to obey, right? So much of discipleship in, in our time is, is very education-based. Like, hey, you just sit there and listen to me give a lecture. Jesus was saying, yeah, there's a time and a place for that. Like, he taught, but he said, come follow me. Follow me around. I'm going to show you how to do things. I'm going to show you what this looks like. So this is, this is talking about action. This is about getting up, moving, doing things, not just sitting and kind of passively receiving and listening. So all of that to say, the vision that Jesus gave to his initial 11 disciples that has been passed down to you, if you know Jesus, is that you are part of you have the potential to be part of a disciple-making movement. What Jesus did, he did not call us to just start Sunday gatherings, right? This is a culmination. This is a culmination, a celebration of knowing Jesus. But Jesus said, the work is done in the fields, out there. And he calls his disciples, he calls you to be a part of that. So this means that the vision for this church that was just planted last fall was not just to start this moment. Right? The vision was not just say, hey, Kevin's this awesome, amazing communicator, which you know I'm not, right? So we should just try and get a bunch of people to come hear him. No, that's, that's not, this is about, that Jesus only mentioned the word, the word church twice, And throughout the book of Acts, you never see the idea of church planting. It's about regular, normal, everyday people like you and like me reorganizing our life around Jesus. So much so that he gets the say on your priorities. He gets the say in your money. He gets the say in your schedule. He begins to get say in everything in your life. That's what, this is, that's what this is about. So that means, Lord willing, this expands, right? Not just here, but Lord willing, you go. Lord willing, some of you are sent to continue a disciple-making movement as God is beginning it here to other places. Lord willing, this is not the only church that gets planted. Lord willing, some of you are sent to continue this work in other places. Lord willing, some of you are sent to lead and pastor these churches 
Okay? This is not, Jesus is calling each and one of us to something so much bigger than ourselves. So let's, let's open our hands and let him, let him stretch our imagination. All right? Now, I want to stop right there and I want to move to the second section. Okay? That's what, that's what Jesus calls us to do. Make disciples. Okay? Learners of him. Be disciples who make disciples. Second section. Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? Why don't I do it? Why don't you do it? I recognize that in this moment, if you know Jesus, there is varying levels of shame that you're feeling. Kind of some low-grade, there's probably just a constant low-grade shame of like, I'm not doing enough. And here comes this dude saying, hey, you're not doing enough. You should be doing more for Jesus. Just telling you, hey, go do this, that's, that's, not, that's not the answer, right? There's, there's deep stuff going on in your heart, in your psyche, stuff from your past that prevents you from really stepping into this. And so we just want to admit, like, God, we, we, we need to grow in this. We want to grow in this, so help us. Help us, take, help us to stumble towards you and this, this is what you've called not just the hyper-spiritual people. To, this is just, these 11 disciples were the most unremarkable people you'd ever meet. And yet they, they turn the world upside down. I want to show you something in this passage that maybe if you've read it before, or maybe this is your first time hearing it, that you may have missed, okay? Jesus is resurrected. His disciples come to him. And in verse 17 it says this, And when they saw him, they worshiped him, period? No. What does it say? And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is talking about the 11 dudes who he spent three years with pouring his entire life into that showed up at his resurrection and they worshiped, but some doubted. Now, this is not talking about the 11, they worshiped, and then there was some random Joe Schmo who snuck in and was like, eh, I don't know about this, and he doubted. This is you. This is me. Doubting. This shows us the humanity of these disciples. These were just regular people with so much junk in their lives, so much stuff in their past. They needed Jesus just like you and I need Jesus. So don't, uh, don't, don't look at this and say, well, they were, you know, they were special. They were, you know. No, they weren't. They weren't. Some doubted. All right? Now, I want to talk about three of the main things that I think keep you and keep me from walking in this, of what Jesus has has called us to, that, that deep down, if you know Jesus, you want to be part of. And I think you can sum it up in one thing that kind of gets expressed in three different ways. Fear. Fear. We're afraid. So, so often throughout the Bible, what does God come to his people and say? Fear not. He, he knows he knows that you're 
scared. He knows that you're afraid. He knows that you're nervous. He knows that you're shaky. He knows those things. So what does that fear so often look like? I think there's three things. I think one, there's the fear of messing up. Okay, when it comes to this idea of disciple-making, of evangelism, and you know, being a disciple, and then helping other people come to know Jesus, and helping them grow in Jesus, there's a fear of messing up. Right? The fear that you won't say the right thing. And that you will actually be so awkward and borderline, you know, heretical, that you'll actually turn people away from you. You'll, you'll, you'll do the opposite. That's a fear. That's a fear that many of you have. And that's, that's a, that is a lie that the enemy loves to, to really fan into flame. That you're inadequate that you don't know enough, that you're not strong enough. And you're going to actually make things worse than better. So you might as well just keep your mouth shut and just do your thing, right? It's a fear of messing up, fear, fear of screwing up God's plan. Second thing is this, fear of man. This is a big one. This is a huge one for me. Let me just demystify me for you for a little bit. Those of you who know me well know I'm screwed up. I need Jesus probably more than any of you. I really feel like I can say the, what Paul said. I'm the chief of sinners. I know myself. I know my heart. I know my mind. I know the things that, that God has called me to do that I'm not doing. I know the things that he said to not do that I do, Right? I'm in this process too of reorganizing my life around the person work of Jesus. So don't set me up as something that I'm not, just like you don't want to set the 11 up as something they're not, okay? This is level playing field, okay, level playing field. But fear of man, fear of what someone is going to say to you or about you if you begin to just open up a little bit. Open up a little bit in terms of, of Jesus in your regular day life or whatever it looks like. We have a deep fear of being rejected, right? Because I, for, for many of us, people are big and God is small. What we think of what God thinks about us is not very powerful or impactful for us. But what others think about us is very strong. And so we don't want to come off as weird or judgmental. We don't want to be rejected. I mean, this is a very, very real thing. And it's the voice, voice of shame is what it is. And then here's the third one. Not only the fear of messing up, the fear of man, but the fear of yourself. Here's what I mean by that. The fear that you are such an embarrassment to Jesus that you're not worth speaking up on his behalf. 
the thought that you are so not put together in what you think he wants you to be and what you need to be that you, you never step into what God is calling you to be a part of. This is, uh, this is powerful, you know? And I'll just get more, more direct about this. This is about feeling and, and being chained down in sin, right? Where, the, where there's something, there's some snag in your life. Something that's, that's holding you down to where the flesh is the controlling. Galatians 5 is clear. The flesh and the spirit are at war in those of us who know Jesus. And when the flesh is, is waging its war and exerting its power, it's hard for us to walk in the spirit. So there are some, I have been there myself. I've been there myself. Where there's something inside of you that is so powerful that condemns you and shames you to where you think you're not worthy. Let me remind you. The disciples doubted. There were those who doubted. Jesus wants those of us who doubt. And that's what that, that's what it, that's what that is. When the flesh is ruling our lives, it's, it's us doubting, not believing the goodness and power of God. And God does not say, Jesus did not say to those who doubted, get your stuff together and then go do this. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the one who helps you get your stuff together. So let's walk this thing together. Which brings us to our final point, okay? How Jesus empowers us to do this. This great commission, this incredible mission that so often you and I feel like we're not worthy to be part of. We have so much fear. What does Jesus do? He bookends this commission with two encouragements. He says in verse 18 this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the one calling the shots. He is the ruler. He is the one reigning. You can't manipulate anything. You can't control. You don't have to. He's saying, that's me. That authority, all of it, even when you don't feel like it is mine, is mine. So you can step into that. He has power. Then he says this as well in verse 20 at the very end. And behold, behold, look at this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. What does that mean? That it's his presence in your life. That is what qualifies you. Not your perfection. His presence. His presence. And he doesn't leave you. His work on the cross is finished. J.D. Greer has a, uh, a great book that I haven't read, but it has a good title. And I feel like it says everything it needs to say in talking about how Jesus is with us. The title of the book is this, Jesus Inside You is Better Than Jesus Beside You. 
It's, it is actually better for you to have the Holy Spirit, which is what? The Spirit of Jesus Christ himself in you. Sometimes you just need to know that when you come to trust in Jesus, you actually have the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need to be reminded of that. Even if you don't feel his power, you have the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes just knowing that, reminding ourselves of that. Okay, I'm not in this alone. He is with me. He is with you. So Jesus is looking for scared, broken people, not the proud. He's, he's looking for people who are emptied of themselves so that he can do what we can never do on our own. So we want to we wanna bring our fear to our Father. We want to bring our fear to our Father and just be honest with him. Be honest with him about whether it was something that was mentioned here or something else, but God, like, I know what you're calling me to do. I want to be a part of it, but there's this that's holding me back. And so what we're going to do is that we're just going to take a minute. The band's going to come forward, and we're going to just open up the altar. We're going to open up and say, just come and bring your fear to your Father. Come kneel before him and just say, God, I, you, you don't love me anymore for anything I do for you. You don't love me any less for anything I don't do for you. That is the gospel of grace. And it is his unchanging love for you that was proven to you on the cross. You don't need to prove anything to him. That is what motivates. That's what empowers. That's what keeps us inspired that this God of grace, this God of mercy and love and holiness and justice who would put his own son to death in your place is the one who is calling the shots in your life. You can trust him. So come forward. Come forward. Just bring your fear to your father and spend a moment praying and giving those things over to him.